race clock. I declare bankruptcy. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Twenty wigger and slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. My name is Jay Ray, and with me is my deskmate, Bowsette. <laughs> That's been such a weird thing on the internet. I'm like, wow, this went from zero to creepy in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's dying down. We've moved on to other things wearing the crown, so <laughs> it's cool. Uh, before we get started too much, uh, for all our listening audience, uh, you can now listen to us on Spotify, yeah. Uh, along with all of our other Broken Jars podcasts. Uh, as always, you know, check us out on the website brokenjars.xyz, Patreon, broken or Patreon.com forward slash Broken Jars. Uh, we got all sorts of stuff. You can come hang out with us in Discord and say hi and tell us how bad we suck if you really want to, and you know, probably that we're terrible human beings for some reason or Say nice things. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Please come. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A new way to listen to us. So, if you are if you are a fan of the Spotify's, you just punch in Great Scott Podcast and it'll pop up. I will say, and this isn't an ad, as a T-Mobile uh, cell phone user, uh, we don't have to pay for the data used on right. Spotify. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, you could just. Uh, that is a nice thing. I use it all the time. Yeah. I did, and then I got carried away. Now I just use other apps that don't aren't covered by my data plans. So. <laughs> for those watching on the YouTube, Jerry is pop popping this like hardcore pedo stash right now. Like it is scary. Like yeah, uh, I, I, well, at some point I expect him to ask me to get in his van. Like <laughs> it's that bad. Okay, well let me just say, and I'm not, but if I was <laughs> one, you would be well out of my demographic. Uh, your beard is kind of indicative that you may be a little bit older than what one would want in their van. Uh, um, yeah, no, I got a, I don't know. I just get bored. I can only grow like four hairs on certain places of my face. So sometimes I just keep the chin. Sometimes I just keep the stash. Sometimes I do both. They never meet in the middle anywhere. I can't get any on my cheek. It's just, I get seven over here on the side of my neck. It's crazy. Uh, but I'm going to Europe in a couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm trying to. You know, they do this in Europe, right? They got they got mustaches. I mean, that yeah. are all, I don't know. Okay, anyways, <laughs> we're talking about The Office. Um, we are still in the early phases of season eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll just dive right into it. So this first episode, season eight, episode five, Spooked, directed by Randall Einhorn and written by Carrie Kemper, which is Ellie Kemper's sister. Correct. I don't, uh, older or younger, do you know? I think she's younger, I think. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. It's kind of cool that actually one of these like uh um you know holiday episodes actually kind of lines up with you know cuz Halloween's what like 3 weeks away something like that. Right. That we are covering a, a holiday appropriate episode, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So there you go. So um, Andy has decided that uh he's going to judge all the costumes. <laughs> yeah. Uh Robert California is coming in and he just wants to make sure Kind of in like a Michael Scott like fashion, like this is a party to impress, you know? Right, right. Is, yeah, you you get a lot of Michael Scott vibes here, but like there's this great thing where Kelly and Meredith, uh, 
both want to be the oh, queen or princess. I don't uh, remember. At the time, I think it was um, Kate, right? Kate. right? Right, yeah, Kate. Yeah. And uh, how, talking about like, you know, I stayed up all night to watch that GG wedding <laughs> and made all of you watch it the next day. And Meredith's like, I was there. Yeah. And you just hear like, an, like she's showing a video of her there, but you just hear the audio. She's saying, Diana was nothing. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, I mean, Princess Diana died? Vaguely, vaguely. I mean, I was still in school trying to think based on where I lived. I was in high school. And I remember waking up high school. No, no, no. I must have been way earlier than that. Either way, woke up early uh, to get ready for school, and my mom was in tears. And we see, and she's watching the news, and it's the whole, the whole shebang or whatever. Right. Um, she died in '97. '97. Okay, definitely not high school. Yeah, probably more, uh, more aptly, she was probably murdered. In- Ooh. Join us next week on our <laughs> conspiracies of the British Crown podcast. That could be a lot of fun. <laughs> just just throw shit against the wall and like wait for the crown to like show up at your door. Like, how did you know? Like, it was a joke, man. Yeah, you're like, okay, okay. Well, let me tell you this thing I heard about Prince Charles. Okay, <laughs> he has a piercing that is the Prince Charles. That's why they call it after him? Okay. Um, yeah, and so Andy is Bob the Builder. Yep. Uh, Jim has to be Chris Bosch. Yep. You know, of of the big three, that's the, the crappiest one to be when you know they were doing their thing in Miami. Yeah, I will say there's a trend here, obviously, where the the past what two seasons, Jim not really wanting to participate in the Halloweenness of it, right? Didn't want to do Popeye last season, I think it was. Right, but he never dresses up. You know, that's his thing is he doesn't dress up at all. But no, he does, right? He does like his thing. He does the gym, right? Something really like. You know, oh, what's your costume? I'm Bob, or whatever it was. Yeah, so so I get that um, Popeye's too much, but he's only popping a jersey over his regular work shirt, you know? Mm-hmm. Still, he's... he's. Uh, I mean, do you think it's because it's the worst of the three? Probably. Right, right. Uh, I mean, Chris Bosch is a very good player, but yeah, uh, he's one of those guys that I feel bad for because he's got like this really weird rare heart condition that's almost killed him a few times so he can't really play like he used to because it keeps flaring up on him so i feel bad for him but yeah um then we get to see dwight's outfit mm-hmm. he's uh, i don't know who this 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 lady is the the, the Ker- kerrigan kerrigan yeah is that a person or like a race i think it's a person it's probably some type of leader character of that faction uh yeah she's their zerg right is that what Right. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me tell you, you have here StarCraft, such a good game. Yeah, StarCraft I, was so fun. I think I played one or two rounds of the free version of StarCraft 2. Um, but I did watch at New York Comic Con years ago, for whatever reason, there was a competition going on there. And there was this like Swedish or Nordic dude named Naniwa. Kick butt. It was great. And forever I have the word Naniwa stuck in my head now. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, StarCraft Two. If uh, I think it's South Korea, they because to be a high level player, you have to be able to do thousands and thousands of you know moves every you know in a certain amount of time. So they actually force their fighter pilots to play StarCraft to increase their reaction times. Wow. Yeah, that was one of the first like hardcore like StarCraft Two was one of the first really competitive video games. 
No, it's all League of Legends and, and Dota and Overwatch Fortnite. and Fortnite. Yeah, that that game went from nothing to everything in like no time. Well, I gotta say too, and not to get on a total tangent, insert tangent here, but um, what do you call it? Like, cause I PUBG, I don't really play on PC, and I didn't have an Xbox One when it was getting big or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, obviously, like PUBG was this thing, and it was like this slow burn as it continued to like spread amongst people. Right. So it was like months. But yeah, you're right. Like regular Fortnite came out and no one was talking about it because it was rubbish. And then the Battle Royale version of Fortnite came out and like within a week. Yeah. And the thing with uh, Fortnite is you can play it on anything. Like you can play it on your iPhone if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's disgusting. Although I will say I was trying to play Fortnite on Switch and I'm just not having fun. I don't like the building part, Uh, but I've been playing PUBG on my cell phone and it's great. I love it. Most of the time, I take my full lunch time so I can sit outside and play PUBG on my phone. Nice. Uh, I'm great at it, by the way, but I think that's just because playing on your cell phone is hard. Someone has to be good <laughs> at it, right? Right. Um, okay. So let's see. So, um, sorry, why is Andy so okay? So Robert California is coming and does come in. Right. Um, he's got his kid there. Um, don't know why specifically. Who knows? Yeah. It, like it's so weird because one Andy's like says something about like a Jack attack, but his name is Bert. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it was really bizarre. Um, and so he he's got to track a hurricane apparently. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and um, he starts talking to Dwight, and it's just weird back and forth. Yeah, Dwight has some weird interactions with children. Like I recall, um, was the David Wallace's kid, right? He's like in his bedroom on the rocking chair and stuff and he's quizzing him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up in a fight with Meredith's kid who is a nightmare anyways. Everybody would end up in a fight with that kid probably. Right. Um, Maybe she comes a stripper. So, you know. There you go. <laughs> so everything ended out great. Um, yeah, so the kid's using Jim's computer. Um, so Jim is sitting over at Andy's old desk. Um, Aaron, who is dressed as Wendy, is very apt. You know, because she eats hamburgers. Um, <laughs> this whole episode, she's like really insecure about where she sits in Andy's life. Right, and yeah, you can tell it's it's a weird sort of dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we, and we, yeah, it's just a weird dynamic that like, they well, could like, have been together and they haven't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, what is it? It's like a bootleg version of Jim and Pam, right? Right. Um, Andy was kind of into Aaron all last season. And like the past few episodes, Aaron is like seeing something in Andy. Um, and there's like this, why aren't they together kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Like whatever else is happening, obviously you two want to do it. So why don't you just do it already? <laughs> just bone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for whatever reason, Aaron was responsible for this party. So she's setting it up and she kind of is under the impression that Andy's reaction to the party is some veiled commentary on his. Right. And it's really bizarre. Yeah. Like, even though, like, it's one of those things where if he had just told her what was up, you know, it would have been a lot different, but he didn't. So she gets really insecure and Andy's weird and, you know, he wants to tell her something at the end of the day and she thinks she's getting fired and it's just this really bizarre back and forth. Yeah. And and I'm going to say... It's not. It's probably not great writing. I feel like even up until now, Aaron's character isn't like hundred percent. Like they didn't figure out the direction. 
like especially with Michael gone that w- they were trying to do it with Phyllis, you know, like the kid looking up to an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but then her like oddities, like her real life Indiana mole woman weirdness about like not knowing how to use disposable cameras or, uh, you know, doesn't happen yet, but trying to give someone hot Gatorade as a soup. Right. Um, or tea rather. But um, yeah, so th- this is an instance where it's just like, no one explains why Aaron doesn't understand regular human cues. Mm. And she just assumes the worst. And similarly, Andy's not picking up on it. And he's just exacerbating it. It's just it, like, like you said, it's weird. It's not a, I'm not, a, I didn't enjoy watching this again. No, no, it was much more awkward than I remembered it being. Yeah. Uh, so sort of a B storylines going on is uh, Pam divulges that she thinks she saw a ghost on like screens haunted walking trail or something. Yeah. And Jim is not cool with this at all. Yeah, he overhears and, you know, he kind of has to go investigate and ask her, like, what do you think it was? Because obviously it wasn't a ghost. Uh, right. Yeah, and it starts a little, it starts such a little, uh, a little, a uh, little, a uh, little, a uh, little uh, argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty funny because, like, Pam is all into it. And he, it, so Jim, Jim's like, so what are we going to tell our kids when they ask if ghosts are real? It's like, I'm not going to scare him, but I'm not going to lie to him either. He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what in the what? And he gets all mad about it again. Yeah. Um, another thing that's going on, we don't know why, but Robert California is kind of having these odd interactions with people around the office. Very odd, like hardcore odd. Yeah, yeah. We find out why later, but, um, you know, he's kind of grilling into them or leaning into particular statements that they make. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also an opportunity to see everybody's outfit. And um, in this instance, we see that Kelly did not end up dressing up as Diana, but she joined the, um, the skeleton crew. Right. Well, the joined Annex. rather she decided to pair up with Toby and then Gabe creepily followed along. <laughs> um, and Gabe makes three. Also, oddly enough, not really a Kelly costume, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. But she gets up and she does the dance and everything. It's just another, I mean, what's, what's it? Carrie Kemper. Come on, Carrie. <laughs> you ever watch the show? Um, <laughs> well, maybe it's because she couldn't be Diana. She got pissed and she was like, screw it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I could see her liking this, to do stuff. This is a girl who stole a boat, <laughs> you know? Right. So, um, and, you know, what was it last year that she was Gaga? Right, with the whole screen book of costumes or coupons and all that. I think I she think was Lady Gaga. Gabe was Gaga. Oh, Gabe was Gaga, right. I don't remember who Kelly was, but it was like that Oompa like, Loompa get yeah, up. She was all like candy and stuff or whatever. Right. Maybe she was Katy Perry. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, um, I mean, to be fair, I would have a hard time picking Katy Perry out of a lineup. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, attractive, dark-haired lady. That's that's enough. <laughs> yeah, but there's uh, a lot of attractive dark-haired ladies. Name seven. Uh, Anne Hathaway. How dark are we talking? Like black hair or? Oh, all of a sudden, that's so easy. <laughs> 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 all right, just kidding. Okay. Uh, um, okay. Sorry, I'm just, just, a lot happens. We jump around a lot in this um, episode. So I'm trying to stay on track. Yeah, so there's a question with Kelly about um, you know, how are you? She said, she says, how is everybody? 
uh, and she responds fine. And then he kind of grills her about why she's only just fine. And is there something else she wants in her life? Right. It's like, she reveals that she's afraid of dying alone and never getting married. And and then Robert California looks at Toby's like, Toby, how are you? And this is abject fear in his face. Like, I'm I'm great. So great. Yeah. Um, So uh, Andy isn't a fan of the party ultimately. I don't know why. It's not super clear either, but some, uh, some like off-camera conversation. No, he, well, he, they make the commentary about the pin the broom on the right, it, but that's it, like the one thing. It's not indicative that he doesn't like the whole party. Right, but was it uh, Bert said that you know the child it was childish, and I think Robert California agreed with him. Yeah, but it's still only the one game. Right. Because what ends up happening is Andy enlists Phyllis and Angela to like fix things, right? Which right. is just them r- ripping off somewhat they perceive as more childish decoration. They're, they're being so bitchy about it, you know, because probably because, you know, they were a part of the party planning committee and now they're not. And yeah. It, Aaron was given it and all right. that. So right. I assume that's, that's why they're bitchy about it. But they're like, everyone is just so mean to Aaron in this episode. Yeah, well, and again, that's why it's so weird because Phyllis and Aaron had like that. Mm-hmm. Phyllis could have been her mom thing. Yeah, you know, so it that, does like the rewatching this it this time because you know I'm really paying attention. It does feel like they were trying to do something else, and they were like, "Well, we're out of time. Make it doesn't matter." <laughs> yeah, like it feels out of place, really. Right. Yeah, because the whole episode just sets up to ostracize Aaron, and then by the end of it, with the information we find out she gets even further ostracized from everybody else mm. in like a way that like doesn't seem deserving, you know? Right. It's mm. not like she's done something to people. Right. And yeah, she, she hasn't been like, she hasn't been mean. It's just, you know, Andy's kind of shitting on her cause he feels weird because we find out later he's got the serious girlfriend and all this other stuff and 31 dates. Yeah. Who the fuck keeps track? I know. <laughs> I know. Like I, I with my wife, like, it was like third date. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're just together now. <laughs> like, well, that's the thing too, because Aaron has like a younger mindset or whatever, but like, obviously as an adult relationships aren't defined, like, Oh, we are dating. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we're together at some point or we're not, or you talk about it, but no one says, Hey, will you be my girlfriend? Will you be my boyfriend? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just the, you know, like even that Andy would keep track seems weird, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of out of place because you know, at that point, right? I mean, unless they're just really going slow, I mean, at that point, you're like together. You're a couple, right? Right. After about, most people, it's after about, about like at most four or five. You're, you know, you, if you're going to spend that much time with somebody, you pretty much decide you want to be with them. So it's yeah. just... I mean, you could even go as far as to say like, you know, within like the first three months of knowing someone. And if he's been on 30 dates... How many times are they hanging out a week? You know, that must be about three months. Well, they're... Because 31 dates, you probably started out a date a week. Right. Well, but the thing is, though, is in this season, well, in this season, Robert California, I think it's in the first or second episode, uh, says something to Andy about she likes you. Yes. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe they were together at that time, but... uh, Maybe not, you know, I, I kind of feel like this has been like 31 dates in, in like a month or less, you know. I mean, 31 dates in a month is every day. Or it could be twice a day. You never know. I mean, he's working five <laughs> of those days a week. Yeah, but like, it, 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 like, does 
uh, Andy seems like the guy who would say like, okay, if it if a date goes past like four hours, it becomes like two dates. You know? <laughs> so if you end up spending all day with somebody, it's like you know three dates in his head or like two and a half or something. Yeah, I mean, Andy is the only weirdness I've ever seen from Andy is like his weird drama thing. But aside from that, it seems like his dating habits would be normal because Aaron was the weird one when they were together, right? Right. Like he, she's the one cuddling with her weird stepbrother thing. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe. I just think it's crazy. I remember when I started dating my wife, I still only saw her once a week and I was very excited to be home the other day whatever the other because <laughs> you know you have to like you have to do the thing right you have to be not be nice i'm a nice guy i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm a fucking peach um <laughs> but you know you're 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 it's 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 a lot of work you're, you're doing the date thing you have to put your best foot forward right and you got a plan and yeah, yeah so so 31 dates in a month is just not so i mean especially with all the eddie bauer Andy wears all the mixing and matching. He's laying out outfits the day before. Right. So we learn in the next episode that he's been manager for 105 days. Hmm. So, so since in, so in this, well, we don't know when he became managers over the summer. Right. Uh, but you know, so it's probably 30 dates in a in hundred days. So that's, that's a lot. Well, that's, that's why I feel like it's got, they must've been, yeah, it's been like three months. Yeah. Yeah, give or take. Anyways, okay, that's fine. And if you're seeing someone that much, you're, you're together, right? I mean, right. Well, and like to your point, why are you counting dates? Yeah. Well, like, time period now. That's, it's like when people call their babies freaking 27 months old. It's like, no, you dumbass, your baby's two. <laughs> yeah, you, you can get away with, um, call, you know, monthing out a kid till, about, till they're about two. It's like 18 yeah. months. Actually, 18 months is probably about. 18, yeah. Is 18 the is for everything. 18 months, 18 years. After 18 years, no one counts anymore. <laughs> pop in real quick for 21. Pop in real quick for 25 because you could rent the car. doesn't really matter. All right. Sorry. Hung up on dates. Moving on. <laughs> so, yeah. they're just. Tr- so, Erin decides to take her own initiative and talk to Gabe, who she had previously dated, uh, trying to put a little bit more 13 into the perceived PG of the party. Right. Um, so he, so they, they end up like doing this whole like cauldron, like thingy in the uh, conference room uh, and air. And so there's this, the cinema of the unsettling, which yeah, is yeah. So apparently something Gabe is into. And you, you know, Gabe is like, like Gabe creeps me out. Like, I feel like he's probably yeah. murdered a stripper. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, probably just for the fun stripper. of it. I mean, probably someone he had to pay to get to his place, you know? Right. Um, yeah, well, because we find out during the pool party episode that he also, like, aside from the weird horror stuff he's got, he's also got some weird horror stuff that kind of hops, skips, and jumps into, like, weird sexual stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's um, he's one of those guys, right? Like, he's at work. He's all tight-lipped, buttoned all the way to the top, you know, stick up his butt, making sure, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, whatever. And he gets home and he's, you know, puts on his weird leather collar with no shirt. He's eating a bowl of Lucky Charms with his pants off, watching some type of weird 
you know, cinema of the disturbing on a projector screen pointing at his wall in his garage. <laughs> you put Creepy. a lot of thought in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, yeah, it's a weirdo. I mean, did you ever take like an intro to film class in college? No, like sadly my college didn't have that. I see. Well, because I'm, I'm an arts major, I'm artistic, but um, whatever. Uh, so I took an intro to film, and they were like showing us all types of different flicks. And one of these was like a absurdist or whatever. And it's one of those things where like you see a close up in black and white of some dude holding a chick's eye open, and it's like a close up of the eye, and it like slits it open with a razor blade, and then uh, and it just keeps jumping to like really jarring visuals like that. Like someone has stuff coming out of their mouth, and then we look into a a bowl and that stuff starts getting congealed. It's gross. It's disgusting, but it's like absurdism, but Gabe's taking it like a step further by like hiding in Stanley's car. Right. <laughs> and yeah. We, we learned that the, the, the seminal film in the, the movement so far is just an hour long shot of a, squ- a squirrel with diarrhea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what, what's squir- funny though is like, as soon as things start going south, like he realizes people don't like the video. He just like nopes right out. He's like, just pe- like walks out the door and either I've lost J Ray or he's being very, very still. So we had a bit of a bump in the road yesterday when we recorded and um, we're a day later, we're back. We're just going to pick up where we think we left off. Um, and hope. Here's a great, <laughs> so here's a great behind the scenes look. Uh, yeah. Had a recording process of great Scott. Yeah, sometimes just things go sideways. Like Jay Ray's computer crashed and my internet crashed. Yeah, uh, lost recordings in the past that you've never heard. Great things. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, so I think we were in the conference room. Uh, right. Everybody was in shock at the video. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gabe ends up just leaving. Yeah, like nope, right out. Yeah. So well, here's like I think I know it. Oh, go ahead. Well, because I was wondering, do you think they know that Gabe made the video or is it all blamed on Aaron because she's the one who show, who's showing it? Um, I don't know. I mean, they never say anything about Gabe, so right. it's hard to say. Um, but Aaron is like, hey, I know we need you now. And she pulls out like pecker poker. It's the game of cards mm-hmm. that gets you. <laughs> she's like choking on the words. Yeah. And so... And this we already talked about like the thirty one date stuff. It like takes Aaron in is like, hey, look, this is getting serious. But like Robert California's like, Oh, I don't need to be here. It just sits down. <laughs> just like Yeah, he's like he's like, This seems to be between you two and then decides that yeah, kinda sit there and pretend he's not there. Right. <laughs> but he keeps interjecting. <laughs> he does, yeah. Um, and of course, by the end of it, Aaron finds out that Andy has a semi-serious girlfriend after 31 dates or whatever. Um, she just kind of leaves. And then afterwards, then Robert's like, I should go. <laughs> right. And he just leaves. But yeah. So yeah, the, 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 again, the whole 31 dates thing is weird to me. Like, yeah. Who keeps track? Andy, obviously. But, obviously. So the story in this, the B plot is uh, Pam and Jim and their whole ghost thing. Right. And so it comes out that, you know, during football season, Jim doesn't let Pam wash his Eagles jersey. He's like, I don't think it'll work. He's like, just maybe the Eagles will hear about it and want to yeah. play it better. <laughs> He's like, maybe me and a bunch of other people do the same thing. Uh, yeah. Do you have any sports superstitions like that? 
not like I used to. You know, as Michael Scott would say, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Got it. Uh, you know, the only, yeah, not really anymore. I used to when I was younger. I've definitely oh, yeah. burned a shirt because of like a superstition. I see. Uh, I do a lot of, like my job puts me in touch with a lot of theater stuff. So there's a lot of theater superstitions, but the most obvious one is uh, you can't say the name Macbeth in a theater. Uh, okay. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, it's, it's bad luck. So if you're ever like on, uh, like if you ever go there and you're talking to other people and you try to bring it up, they have like nicknames for it. They call it McBee. They'll call it the well, Scottish play. Why is it? Why is that a thing? Uh, someone else, well, or well versed, would have to explain it. But I think it's just like cursed. Yeah, like if you, it's like, uh, yeah, if you, uh, it's like wishing someone. It's like when someone starts bragging that they have it, and then they obviously don't have it. You know, it's right? Like you say and you curse your production, and people die or something. Uh, Stage lights fall on their head. Are you looking it up? Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh... This is too, it's it's too dense to like, there isn't like a just a thing. So it's cursing when the theater will even avoid quoting lines from Macbeth before before performances, uh, particularly the witch's incantation. Yeah, it's my understanding that when you are in a production of Macbeth, you can say it, but all other times you're not supposed to. Huh. Well, there you go. Yeah, there's your there's your New York City theater moment. Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, uh, sorry, maybe the Eagles. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So, wait, is she Asian? We've lost our. I forgot how we get there. I don't know the context of that. Right, right. No, no. Yeah, because like Phyllis, not Phyllis. Aaron asks Phyllis or says tells Phyllis what's going on. And he's like, is she Asian? Right. <laughs> like, first question. <laughs> Yeah. It's just funny to me. No, she's an old racist white lady. Yep. <laughs> um, so we had said it previously, but, uh, you know, Robert California is going around trying to get, he's just like having weird conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the shindig itself, Creed goes for some type of snack or something, but there's like a toy snake there. Right. Uh, and Robert California kind of realizes that uh, Creed may be afraid of snakes. This is great, great lines. Like, you don't live as long as I do, Bobby, without a healthy fear of snakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so finally, Robert tells this story, right? Right. There's like a weird moment where everybody's kind of freaking out. Uh, so Robert kind of comes in to like take over, right? So mm-hmm. it's anecdote he says he had heard when he was a boy or something. Right. Um, but it quickly is apparent that there's very obvious references to what people are afraid of, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For they were mummies. <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> yeah. Kevin didn't get it. Um, yeah, Kevin's afraid of mummies. Right. This whole big story about, like, this woman who moved into, like, a haunted house and, like, she becomes more and more stone. Like, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. No, and it just jumps all over the place for the sake of getting to the things that people are afraid of. Right. And so he, like, he finished up this story with, like, the ma- the baby calling his mother a bitch or something. It, everyone's just, like, dead quiet. And the kid just starts, like, cackling. Yeah. Like, that kid will murder somebody someday. For sure. I mean, yeah. you could not be raised by Robert California and become a, a well-adjusted human being. No. 
<laughs> um, yeah, and then he splits. That's it. Yeah, and later we see like Dwight gets uh, Bert to fake fire Toby. Yeah, and that kid really sticks to his guns. <laughs> I'm the CEO's kid. I can do whatever I want. It was pretty good. I wonder. So where does Robert California live? I guess he, because I, I wondered if he has multiple homes. Because he uh, went down to Florida to become CEO, and we know later on Dwight visits him at a condo there or something. Right, it's corporate housing. Corporate housing, okay. So, yeah, I don't know what happens after he sells the house. I'm assuming, well, he's still up in Scranton after, but he might still be living there. He's yeah. like, you know, a house that big would take a while to, to sell. Right. So, yeah. But Maybe yeah, I, the stuff. I guess I wondered where the kid was from. Like, the kid maybe never leaves. Right. Well, and, you know, we do see the mom soon. Mm. Uh, and so I would assume that uh, he stays with her after the divorce. Right. Because that's why he's selling the house. Yeah. After the divorce. Uh, all right. So there it is. It felt like it took a day and a half to get. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. That's, that's not, not quite. Like 23 hours. But yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, so what do you think, man? You know, when I, I was expecting to like it more than I did. Which seems to be like the theme. Like you go in like, oh, I'm going to like this episode. Then like you come out like, oh, man, this sucks. Uh, but uh, I would say uh, 2.8 out of 5 rip cages. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm anticipating not liking these episodes and have been pleasantly surprised by the first part of the season. Um, and this was just a bummer. And I actually recall this episode fond- fondly, but yeah, not so, not so great. So it's a solid two out of five um, skinny gyms. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next up we have Doomsday, directed by Troy Miller and written by Daniel Chun. This is where we get the classic closing time cold open. Right, the classic so, closing open. Yes, yeah, so like, Apparently, for every day that um, Andy's been manager, he's been playing closing time at like 4.55 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. He's like, you got to have an end of the day song. Yeah, like a tradition is, of some which, type. Yeah. Which is weird to me because I'm like, well, what if people need to stay late? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, Stanley obviously is the first person to like hop right out anyways, but... um yeah, there have been more than one circumstance in the show alone that we've seen people needing to stay later. Right, or leave early or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, but everybody kind of doesn't really give a crap about it. Because, um, you know, Jim's still on the phone trying to make a sale. Yeah. It bands like, you know, I've heard this song 105 times and I still don't know the words. He's like, oh, man. Yeah, terrible. I mean, you must know the words. Maybe you couldn't sing off the top of your head, but if it was playing along. You no, know, if it was playing, yeah, I could totally play it. Or I could totally sing, yeah. sing along with it. And you know, Angela's not impressed at all. No. And Stanley comes out and he's just like singing along. Yeah, he's belting it out. Yeah. He says he didn't really he didn't really care for the song the first time he heard it, but now that it signifies the end of the day, it's his favorite song. Mm-hmm. Um so the crux of the episode is that Robert California gets some type of like auditing report of the office's performance. Yeah, right? it's like a like an air tracking software. Yeah, and um, for Robert California, there's too many. It's sloppy and it's got to be fixed. Right. Um, Dwight. Dwight, in the middle of this conversation, over kind of comes in and starts taking <laughs> notes or whatever. And I love it because he's like, he sits down and he's there, and then. 
grew up in California. He's like, did, did you do, do you need something? And he's like, nope. And he just like backs out, like yeah. he walks it out of there. Uh, and so, but you know, so California is like, fix it. Don't care how, just fix it. And he right. wants zero errors. Yeah. Which I really wish they had like, what is an error? I mean, obviously we do see some stuff like, uh, bad accounting, right? Yeah, like an accounting thing, sending an order to the warehouse before, before the customer pays for it. That's an obvious error, but like, what else is considered an error? Is like a typo in a like a thing considered an error? Like, is does it get, get down to the typo level? Yeah, I mean, Oscars had like a mathematical value error, right? But like, where was he putting it where that wouldn't have been automatically calculated? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's weird that he was trying to do it like pen and paper in his head. Boy, he trust. Yeah, the mo- yeah, the computer he trusts the most. <laughs> so, um, so ultimately, what happens here is Dwight kind of comes in and he um, he says that he has a way mm. to fix it. Um, he does this funny bit where he can't open the folder he's got too much string. Right, got too long of string, and like. This is a pretty sophisticated piece of software. So it tracks everything. He's managed to compile all these emails from different people. There's this great section in the conference room where he's talking about how, uh, you know, reading off emails. Right. Uh, he's like, you know, he is totally uh, murdered a stripper and we should kill him or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was Kelly. And, uh, but yeah. And so, this is, I don't think Dwight gets enough credit here for like developing this piece of software because it's really intense. <laughs> well, he, so he goes on to explain it and like, I don't know, I guess Dwight doesn't know sports, right? Because he's like five strikes and you hit a home run and you're out. Or yeah. One home run means yeah. you're out. Yeah. Right. It's, it's great. <laughs> I mean, five strikes is nice though, right? I mean, if he was sticking to baseball, it only would have been three. So, right, right. Five. And, and it's worth noting it's five errors within a day. Mm. So they could be rocking four errors every day. It'd be safe, right. right? Yeah. Um, and of course, the first error that's put in is um, on purpose to test to see if the system actually. Works. Right. And it makes like this really loud, like, whooping sound <laughs> right that comes from uh, Dwight's computer um okay so th- so that's going on upstairs but then there is the, the secondary storyline where daryl is down um working with the new warehouse crew. right uh so val is running it and you know she wanted him to come down he didn't want to but she like pressures him in so obviously obviously he's got a bit of thing for her, and then gabe you know like talks to her for like 10 seconds maybe yep and immediately goes to toby's like i need a relationship form yep it's like do you even know her last name well i will know it because she's gonna be screaming it tonight yeah. he, <laughs> this is a great interaction though he's like she's gonna be screaming her own name <laughs> yeah like, i i can't say it's a classic office line but that is like the quintessential gabe line. yeah yeah and he's like look I don't want your red tape wrapped around my penis. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, like, he's like, once we get going, it's going to be going fast. So, I mean, at least, you know, in all the offices, you don't have to obtain permission to start the relationship. You just need to disclose it to HR once it gets going. That's right. I mean, I don't even, if it's not a relationship, I don't even know if you would have to, like, disclose, a, like, a hookup. Well, uh, Toby tells Jim and Pam that if it's casual. Right. 
I mean, he's obviously coming from a biased place. Right. Well, and there's also, you know, in season four with the, the deposition, uh, you know, the sex was okay as long as they weren't in a relationship. Right, right. They had hooked up and it was clear to Michael that they weren't in a relationship or whatever. So no one's like everybody stopped grilling that point. Right. So it's just a weird thing. Yeah. But yeah, Gabe, Gabe sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like he is such, I think he's really well written because you kind of hate him. Yeah. You know, you know, some people love Andy, some people hate Andy, you know, Michael, Dwight, et cetera, et cetera. But pretty much everyone universally loathes Gabe. Right, right. Like he's developed to be this character that has like, you just don't like, but they give these sympathetic moments that you get are like, oh man, the show did this to me. <laughs> Thanks for kicking me in the teeth, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one thing I, um, I do like about this episode is this is like, this is the episode that I think sets up Dwight being the manager, really. You know, because he realizes that he actually does like these people and maybe not Andy, but, you know, everyone else. And, you know, I, I really like that part of this episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, mm-hmm. that's the strongest part is how this storyline finishes off with some character development for Dwight, for sure. Yeah, and so sort of the B storyline is they're down in the warehouse and uh, Daryl is teaching them how to do, like put on like a the yeah it's like our supports right you know vest thingies that you know people who like heavy things stuff. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just yeah so you don't throw your back out or whatever and you know Gabe is down there just like grilling them you know giving them all sorts of hell in front of Val yeah. because he assumes she likes put <laughs> yeah for whatever reason during their one interaction right. So Daryl also has a thing for Val. So he's trying to be a little smart and a little bit more, ta- you know, tactical about it. So he says that he will. Uh, no, um, uh, Gabe, at, Gabe says, hey, here's a hundred dollar bill. Go buy coffees. Right. And Daryl smartly is like, hey, Val, I'm going to need your help. Yeah. Carrying them or whatever. So, you know, he wins. He wins that one. He ultimately wins the war eventually. Right. I it, forget how that relationship ends. But there is a relationship, so. Right. Well, he tries to dump her. Uh, it's in season nine. He's like, yeah, the perfect way to get a girl to stop dating you is to do something and gain a lot of weight. Right. <laughs> because he want, you, didn't want any, you didn't want to be attached going to Philly with athlete. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and I guess we could just wrap up that storyline anyways because there's some jokes about Gabe's choice of drink. He wants something... Not of something that's frou frou, but orders another frou frou drink, right? All right, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 the equivalent of saying you don't want a girly drink, so you don't want the apple teeny, but you definitely definitely want the peach bellini. That's right. Um, and ultimately, we find out that Gabe makes his final move, but Val says she doesn't date coworkers because of policy. Right, which you know, all in all, you know, for real world applications, probably a good policy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also too, she is like new. She's only been there for maybe a few weeks. So it's like, yeah. why don't you get used to the job or let her get used to the job rather before you start trying to bust a move. Right. But he wanted to like take her to a cemetery, drink some wine and like read poetry or something. Yeah. That's like <laughs> some weird emo high school nonsense. Like, and I know we joke about Robert California, like killing strippers, but like, you know, Gabe has totally killed a hooker, like straight up. 
I don't know that, but it's very possible. <laughs> like, you know, on his like trips, he goes to what Amsterdam every so often. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, you know, some weird shit has happened when he's yeah. going to Amsterdam. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Okay, so back upstairs, the morale is a little low because of knowing that this uh this thing is probably going to take them down. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly has no faith. Right. She, Dwight's like, you, you can do it. She's like, no, we can't. Yeah. It's um, not that she is, has no faith. She is actively like against the office at this point. Yeah. So they decide to um, try to hack into Dwight's computer. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole crew of them. Um, Jim is the one helming the whole project. Because of course he is. Yeah. But people are checking some suggestions and Ryan comes in with one of his helpful suggestions. Like it's like Z six four dollar sign eight. That's what Jim ties in. He's like, no, not that, but something yeah. like that. Like, thanks, Ryan. Right. Basically any possible password. <laughs> right. Um <coughs> So people start like giving, uh, asking questions that are like typical password answers. Right. And Jim knows a lot of those answers, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. Someone's like, what's his mother's name? He's like Hedda or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't remember. I should have written it down, but like Jim has this like really weird like Twitch, like, holy God. I think this is also when Jim's like, Dwight's kind of my friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- this bit's kind of a callback to him uh, when Dwight went to the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. knowing his middle name and stuff. Right. Um, yeah, so Oscar is plugging away and he's doing some math in his head because he doesn't trust the machine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that ends up being the fifth strike. Um, it, yeah, ultimately, when it's revealed to be the strike, yeah. Right, and D- like Dwight just kind of like lays down laws. Like, look, you make a lot of mistakes, you're going to pay the price, Yeah, whatever. And just he just like bails. Yeah, because his end game is what? All this stuff would go out implicating the people who wrote the nasty emails. Mm-hmm. The failure would point that Andy's not a very good leader. Correct. So what the hope would be all the people he doesn't like get fired and then Andy is no longer the boss so he can take over an empty office? Uh, I guess. Right. I mean, or maybe he's just done, you know? Yeah, and, clean, clean house and he's just going to... And I know that like Kelly or that you know, Kelly and I think Oscar were the two emails read, but you know, Andy, when Rob California isn't around, was like right in there in the middle of it. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. those mass email chains that circled the office. He's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, quote about Robert California or something. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of damning evidence that Dwight has amassed, but. Um, right, because the other thing was a consultant's report from like the quarter before that the brain should be shuttered. Right, right. That I guess like never made his way to corporate or Joe saw it, but no one else saw it and they don't think Robert sees it. I don't know. But yeah, this thing indicating that, yeah, the branch probably don't, doesn't need to exist anymore. I don't know why. Maybe they were exorbitant other branches that would be more logistically good. Yeah, right. Because this is like a weird offshoot that Sabre acquired, right? Right. Like a company that only exists as a Scranton office now. Right. Well, there's a couple other. I mean, there's still other Dunder Mifflin. Oh, because I guess Karen still has her location, right? Karen, well, we assume, uh, you know, because Holly came from, you know, Joe transferred Holly back to screen for Michael and all that. But yeah, but, you know, it was one of those things where screen had always been the best brand. So I don't know, like, what, just trying, because I've written some of those reports and I'm trying to just figure out what they, uh, yeah, because yeah, it's, 
it's when they merge with um, Stanford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Scranton branch tends to be pretty consistently the best thing about Dunder Mifflin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe in the climate, maybe there was the, a low point when they took over and had to start selling printers, you know? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe their entire thing was just, you know, distribute online and don't worry about an actual Yeah, don't worry about brick and mortar. Yep. Anyways, uh, so what we hadn't said was that Kevin was given like a special project so he can participate in any of the accounting, hopefully not making any mistakes. Right. His project was to write a report about how paper was made. Right. Um, it, like he couldn't, he couldn't do it. So he's like, oh, the man tree puts his penis in the woman tree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is basically right, to be fair. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it happens. <laughs> Um, so Kelly starts like running up to Dwight and she's just like, undo it, undo it. And just repeating herself. And she's screaming at him. And for whatever reason, Aaron just comes in and starts screaming with her like nothing. Just but nothing. Yeah, exactly. Ah. He's like, oh. I just wanted to be a part of the gang. So he leaves. He says, you guys are all on your own. And, uh, you know, then the office kind of separates. A team goes to try to change Dwight's mind. That includes Pam, Andy, Kevin and Oscar and yes yeah Oscar oh Andy yeah Andy Oscar Kevin Pam Mm. and Aaron Aaron was there yeah yeah that's a lot of people it is a lot of people okay it's like the majority of the office (laughs) uh and Jim is into like because because at 5 p.m all the stuff's going to get emailed so Jim is sent to like intercept a potential email um that could be going to Robert California. That's right. Uh, we find out he's at a squash club, either a place where they eat squash or play it. Right. He'll check both. And I know squash and racquetball are similar, but I have no idea the differences. Uh, I would have thought they were the same thing and just called something different. And different. I think it's, well, may, maybe it is, but I, I think there is a difference between squash and racquetball. And, and I think it's maybe the... Uh, racquetball. The racket, like where you could hit on the wall, because I think in rack, yeah. Do you I think don't the game is played in the same room? Uh, I would say, from what I could see and remember of racquetball and what I was seeing on the squash court, I think it's the same kind of room, hmm. but the markings are different. Okay. And you, you know, you may or may not be able to play off the back wall in squash. Oh, because right? I, I know you can do that in racquetball. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, so Jim does get there. He's pretending he's just coming from a squash meeting or some weird nonsense like right. that and challenges Robert to uh, a game or a match. He doesn't know. Honestly, I play a lot of Mario tennis. So I couldn't tell you either. Oh, well, I've been in a lot of things where like there are games and, you know, if you take, you know, it's best three out of five or whatever, you win the match. You know, right. so that's kind of just what I assumed yeah. it was. So you play, you're in a plan like, X number of rounds and whoever gets the most, whoever wins the most rounds wins the whole thing. I see. They both like Jim's racket's got, still got like the, yeah, the, the tag on it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like trying to rip it off and stuff. Um, so back at, so now we're at Dwight's farm. The mm-hmm. crew has shown up and they have a gift for Dwight, which is like a, it's a Sonoco hat. Yeah. Gas like, station. Yeah, that's right. Um, he throws it in a dirt pile next to the hole he's burying that we find out is actually a horse grave. Right. And so like, hey, can we help? And they, so they start digging. He's like, if you hit another horse, you've gone too far. Yeah. So this is like a, another moment of like a callback where Dwight and uh, Pam have this weird bond. Mm-hmm. So Pam 
in a move very similar to Michael at the Chili's is able to kind of navigate how this conversation goes, you know, right. He's telling people not to bring certain stuff up or whatever. Right. It's uh, like, so they're eating some kind of pie, like yeah. squash pie or something like it was like potato pie, maybe right. Right. like you see Kevin coming up behind uh, Dwight with a cast iron skillet, right? Yeah. Like hit him and Pam's like, Oh no. Yeah. I'm surprised he 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 agreed. Um, and, and Andy keeps trying to bring it up, and uh, you know somebody wants milk, and he's like, "Oh, what from what animal?" And he's like, "That was a cow." <laughs> cow. Uh, I wonder how many different types of milk Dwight has. It's got to be like ten, right? Well, he talks about goat a lot. It'll all be goat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so ultimately they end up leaving just a little bit before five without having, well, there's this, there's this moment you, you skip over the moment. It's kind of like, you know, yeah. yeah, sort of what tips everything off is they're like, <sighs> Pam had like dribbled something on her shirt or something. Right. Yeah. She says, Pope, Pope buddy's nerfing. Yep. It, Dwight of course starts making fun of her, but it's just like, Oh, it's a saying, you know, it's like, Oh, I can't even do this right. He's like, well, this is really, you know, really cool right because he like legitimately learned something and he saw the humor in it also right like it was information of value to him mm-hmm. yeah and you know he's i guess he kind of realizes that like look people just are going to make mistakes no matter what right and so i assume he cancels it i don't know how i don't know if he like vp vpns back into the office and shuts it down like yeah, or if it's vice versa, if the app program was actually on a home computer and he VPNed out of his office computer into the home one. I don't know. He you know, you know, Dwight, now that we know he can program, yeah. you know he's got like some hardcore backdoor sitting in the Dunder Mifflin system that he can just like jump into. Yeah, I mean, I will say this whole concept of Dwight doing this is a little weird just considering how against technology he was like with the GPS and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, and he's, he's fought AI machines before, um, you know, he's, he's a, he's a battler of digital things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the whole concept of him developing this software. Yeah, no, it's a bit out of place. I won't lie. Yeah. I mean, it's, but you know, like I was saying, like, uh, yeah, this is really good for Dwight. Cause at the end he's like, I'm just going to have to work with these people forever. Yeah. And I think he realizes that people care about him and he cares about them more than he realized, I think. Right, right. It's not just the entire office saying, you know, Dwight, why are you like this? But he has his moment with his coworkers where, like, they're just visiting and it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and he's had a bit more of those recently in Garden Party and a couple other things where he's becoming more human and more attached to the people he works with. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so five o'clock strikes. We hear a cell phone go off at the squash court. Mm-hmm. Jim runs out thinking it's his. Um, well, yeah, he knows it's Rob California's. Yeah. He's like, no, it's mine. And he, yeah. it, like, he goes through his bag in front of Robert. He's like, oh, no, it's it's yours. He's like, come on, give me my phone. He's like, right. oh, you want it? And he just like throws it over the top of this, uh, yeah. like the, the glass divider. I guess he had a good case on it because it doesn't break. I know that's, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember when this was. I don't know how... Uh, common gorilla glass was in cell phones back then. Uh, I don't know, but this was 2011, 2012. Yeah. 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 I mean, those earlier iPhones were definitely shatter prone. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe it's like a, um, so this would be an iPhone 5, like 4S or 5 is okay. what it would have been. Um, and, you know, maybe it had an OtterBox on it. I mean, those things are pretty stout. Those days, I was rocking OtterBoxes for a long time. I was too. Yeah. Now I'm pop socketing. <laughs> Everyone's, God, does that not like get caught in your pocket and stuff? Like putting it in, pulling it in out of your pocket? Like, doesn't that like cause issues? Um, sometimes though I will well, I have another cell phone case that is like all wood and it has a extra slot for a hundred dollar lens I purchased for my cell phone. So my, my cell phones are very modular and often get stuck going in and out of my pocket. So I was like, this is, at least this collapses, you know, that lens is like, like <laughs> um, okay. So throws the phone, Robert picks it up. Totally fine. Apparently. Yeah. It's like um, a jet blue to Buffalo or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it all seems good. Um, back at the Dwight crew, uh, they pull over and they get a notification from the office that um, the email seems to have been canceled. Right. So uh, yeah, everything's all great. Um, that's a nice little Dwight moment for sure. Uh, yeah, man. What did, uh, what did you think of this episode here, there, then there? Um, it's not bad. You know, it's okay. Um, uh, it's a good sort of stepping stone episode, especially with what we have, uh, coming up. Um, cause next one we have Pam's replacement and Gettysburg. So like we started like setting up Tallahassee and the whole girl going after Jim here soon. So it's just a good setup. It, you know, kind of, it's sort of ending the first arc of the season, yeah. sort of. Right. Uh, so I just gave it a flat three out of five red tapes around my junk. That's reasonable. Uh, yeah, I think I'm with you. Uh, I felt like I enjoyed watching it more than when we started talking about it. And talking about it made me realize, I was like, ah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, and I think this is a lot of people's problem with season eight is there's more episodes. I don't think there's any bad episodes in the season, but there's a lot more that are just, it's okay. Right. You know, unlike, unlike season two and three, which are just, you know, gold, gold on top of gold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I give it a 2.5 out of five different types of milks. Nice. Nice. Uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties. I'm sure this will be a hard episode to listen to, but. Or a great episode. We're Talks great. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming out, um, and we'll see you next time. Peace.